Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Aria Peruzzi. She is the founder of True Green Organics and a cosmetic chemist. How are you doing today, Aria? I am good. Thank you so much. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us here on the Empowerography podcast. I appreciate you. Of course. I'm so excited. I know we've been trying to get together for a while. So. <laughs> yes, it's nice to finally have you here after the back and forth of, of trying to get I this know. set up. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm a busy person. I know. You were a priority 100%. <laughs> Thank you. So Aria, let's jump right in. You are a health and beauty expert, the founder of True Green Organics. You are a cosmetic chemist. You have the science and medical background. And last but certainly not least, you're a mother. What inspired you to get into the scientific and medical world? To be honest, I actually started off wanting to be in the legal field, believe it or not. And I took a shift. I, you know, when I was in university, I realized that I actually want to help people. And that's when I decided to leave law school and shift my gears over to medical school. And I just realized that I want to work with people directly and make a difference in people's lives. You know, how far into your journey uh, in law school, were you before you made that three, shift? Three years in. Oh man, <laughs> my parents were not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they weren't. So then, how many years of schooling after that did you go through in the science and medical world? Then I did everything aggressively. Um, you know, I took my time. Yeah. It took about another four years after I did some part-time courses online. I tried to, you know, juggle being obviously um, I'm a mom working full-time and trying to get all of my education up to par. So about four years, and then I'm still always updating all of, of my course, courses. Of course. I'm always learning new things, and especially in the medical field, things are always changing. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still, you know, I'm still educating. I'm still <laughs> researching, you know, it's, it, ne- it never ends. In this yeah. Time. Learning is a lifelong journey for sure. Absolutely. So when you finish school, I'm going to assume here, and I probably shouldn't, but I assume you didn't jump right into starting your business. So no. what type of work were you doing then? So I was doing, I was working directly hands-on in the medical field, nursing, and I was working in hospitals, long-term care facilities. I did home care. I did everything. Um, And I was working directly with clients, working with people every single day. It was something that I love to do. I still love working with people. So that was something that I never took out of my routine. Right. 
So how was that transition and what inspired the transition out of that world into the world of entrepreneurship? I mean, I know you obviously still work in the science and medical world because you're doing the research, et cetera, that goes into creating the products for your company, but you're also now an entrepreneur. Yes. So the shift was when I had my first child, my son, Quinn, eight mm-hmm. years ago, yep. I was pregnant and I was researching and you know, looking at products that I could, I love beauty. I love taking (laughs) care of myself. And when I was pregnant, I was looking at, you know, products that I could buy over the counter that were mass produced. And some of the things I really didn't realize before was the, the ingredients. I never really actually sat down and looked at ingredients. And when I was pregnant, that was something that I really actually took notice in. And I realized that a lot of the ingredients in our products that we use daily are highly toxic and can cause really bad effects in the future. And when you're pregnant, you really think about how you're treating the human being that is inside of you. So that yeah. was when I decided that I wanted to make my own product for myself. It wasn't for anyone else. Okay. It was for me. And I started making my own Shea product that I would use every single day on my stomach. At the time, I was also modeling. So I wanted to okay. make sure I didn't stretch marks and things right. like that. But I also wanted to make sure that it was everything I was putting on my body was going to be safe for my little baby. Yeah. <laughs> so was the Shea the first product you ever created? It was my signature face and body butter. Yes. It was the very first product I created. And so how many hours of research and testing went into creating that product roughly before you actually launched it? So the first product, so that was actually, I made it myself. I um, ordered all of the raw ingredients, sourced it all myself, and then created it. I didn't have any testing done at the time because I wasn't selling it to anyone. So I posted something. I don't even know if people use Facebook anymore, but I posted something (laughs) on Facebook (laughs) and, you know, saying I made my own cream, whatever. And people were like, oh my gosh, like, I would love to use that. I, you know, do you, you know, can you, can I buy it from you? And Mm -hmm. that was when I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is like, you know, having an audience and people watching you and wondering what, you know, what your secrets and beauty secrets are. I never even thought about sharing it. And when I posted something, it was just a small little post about, you know, how I'm pregnant and I wanted to use something that was safe for my baby. And I made this product and sure enough, people were asking me to buy the product. And I was like, you know, I I don't have any um, jars or anything. Like I don't have this product actually like manufactured. So that was when the light bulb really truly um, hit. And I started, and that's when I started taking courses to do my chemist, cosmetic chemist background. So in order to be able to produce a product that is medical grade and mass produced and sold to a larger audience, I had to make sure that I was doing it properly. You know, I would sell a few things to my friends and close family, but I wanted to be able to, um, to sell to a larger audience and make sure everything's tested, like you said, properly. We have our own lab that we work out of. And our testing is done. I work directly with all the chemists and everything is done. Usually it takes about six to eight months to do the full testing for each okay. product. Yeah. So that's the process. That's how we start. It's a huge process. but yeah. <laughs> <that's usually the> <laughs> So when you decided to, to go and, and launch this and, and sell to the public and you got, you got started on it and did your research, you got the the ball rolling with, yeah, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. Did you ever at any point, once you were involved in it, think what the hell have I gotten into? This is so much work. Yes, Brad, that is a daily occurrence. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is something I think about every day. Being an entrepreneur is crazy. Like it's never yeah. ending. You're always learning. There's no yes or no. There's no right or wrong. Yes, I was overwhelmed. I was, you know, getting all these orders and I didn't have enough product a lot of the time. Right. So yeah, I was a little overwhelmed, but <laughs> I'm the type of person that you throw me a challenge and I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. You know, I'm an Aries. We, uh, we don't give up. <laughs> We're very competitive. <laughs> what did you do to quiet those voices, though, in your own head and, and overcome that and just say, you know what, this is what I want to do. I'm doing it. What I always tell people is you don't overwhelm yourself. You give yourself a list of to do's every single day, things that you can do that you know, that will progress you. So I tried not to overthink the process and I tried to take it one day at a time. If I would have thought about all of the things I had to achieve in one, you know, five minutes, I would have quit right away. (laughs) But the best thing you can do is say, okay, this is happening. I'm here right now. I can only do so much as one person, but I'm going to try to achieve as much as I can each day. So I would give myself a list every single day. I have a list. I'm a list person mm-hmm. and I have to go through that list. At least I have a list of 10 things that I want to accomplish in a day, yep. at least hit off five. And then I feel accomplished. Beautiful. So I love that. So take it one day at a time. Yeah. You know? Great advice. Thank you for that. Rome wasn't built in one day. That's Everyone right. That. That's and right. That's so true, right? Yeah, for sure. Aria, what excites or inspires you the most about the process of creating a product from start to finish? I love the, like you said, the creating the product. I'm a creative person. Yes, I love science, but being hands-on for me is number one. So the process, there's a lot that goes into the process. So we start off with testing. First, we actually make the product. We start off with testing and then we go to packaging, making sure, you know, the labels look good. Yeah. It's a big process. It takes about a year to, to launch wow. a single product. Yeah. Holy. A lot of behind the scenes work that people don't see. Yeah, for sure. For sure. How did you come up with the name for the company? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually, I went back and forth. It was, I was, I think I was sitting in my kitchen when I was thinking about the, you know, the name it was, you know, I wanted it to be very forward. And I had spoken to a good friend of mine who's in business and she owns a big franchise. And I said, you know, how do I, how do I name my business? They're like, this is going to stick, right? Like, this is going to be something that I'm going to have to hold on to. And I didn't want to have to rebrand, right? So to try to think of a name was a little bit difficult, but I wanted it to be straight to the point. You know, when you hear true green organics, you think natural, you think of organic, you think um, real, right? So I wanted to incorporate that. And I remember sitting there with my husband at the time and thinking like, you know, like, what about like green, green organics? And he, you know, he was like, that sounds good. I'm like, no, that's not good enough. And it has to be something. (laughs) So true. I wanted to kind of have like a fun way of spelling true. So I did the T-R-U dash green. It just kind of came to me. I'm really creative. Like I said, and that was something that kind of popped into my head. And I remember making all going on the computer and making like a quick little label. It looked so bad. I look back, back on it now. And like, oh my gosh, it looks terrible. But <laughs> it, it stuck. It was a, it was a name that stuck and it's the name that I came up with and I used from the beginning and it's, and we're still using it today. Awesome. And how many products do you currently have and sell in your line of products? I have about 30 products right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, started yeah. off with one and yeah. just built it up. 
Now, all your products are made in-house and in Canada with EchoCert. Can you tell us what EchoCert is and how that factors into or plays a role in the products you create? Absolutely. So we use EchoCert products because, first and foremost, they're manufactured by certified manufacturers. So all of the products that we use that are raw, so Uh we use all raw, raw ingredients, we don't... You know, we don't source anything from China or places like that. We just want to make sure that we have our hands in everything. So EcoCert essentially means that it's gone through a vigorous process to ensure that it is of the utmost quality. So things like, you know, it's not environmentally hazardous. It's not affecting the ecosystem. It's organic and it's produced in a way that it's not going to cause any kind of detriment to the environment at all. So that's what EcoCert stands for. And it's regulated. So that was really important. All of our manufacturers are regulated EcoCert certified. Okay. Now, do you still personally have a hand in the actual creation process of your products? Or do you now have a team that takes care of all that? Of course I do. That is something that I have a really hard time stepping back from. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a team, but I am... I ensure that I am always hands-on with everything when it comes to manufacturing, when it comes to testing, when it comes to, you know, every little detail, I have to be there first and I have to approve of everything. It's really important. I feel like when it comes to creating, to ensure that you're always connected to your art, right? So that you're still passionate. So I'm hands-on. I'm there no matter what's going on, unless I have to be at a meeting, I am there. I'm working with the team. I'm working hands, you know, hands forward, always hands on deck. I'm never, I, I try to keep myself grounded and work with the team as much as possible. Right. Okay. Now, speaking of artists and art, you are much like an artist. You're you're creating something from nothing from scratch. Can you give us a brief overview of your process when starting to create like from start to finish, the, from the concept idea to the final product? What does that process look like? Just a brief overview. Usually I reach out to my clients. I have a a pretty big following, so I try to reach out to my clients and see what they want, what they love what's new what's innovative and then I start creating I start to you know sit down and make notes I start to look at active ingredients you know in our in the medical field is very important because you want products that actually work you know right and that you know that's where the process starts and as I was saying we usually start with the creation then that we mm-hmm. do the testing and we do lab testing on every product and then we go to packaging labeling and then we you know we get everything the ball rolling and we start selling so it's a big process like i said it takes almost a year to come out with every new product after the process is fully complete it's not an overnight thing it takes right. a lot of research development ensuring that it's safe too you know so safety is a big factor when you're starting to use medical ingredients knowing how to do your percentages. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the cosmetic chemist portion right. was so I knew how to properly create, but also also know the ingredients that go into the product and be able to make it safe as well. Do you sit down with your team? Like you come up with an idea and I'm sure it's not always you that comes up with the idea. I'm sure your team members come up with ideas exactly. for products as well. But do you sit down and, and hash things out with your team and you know, Hey, I've got this idea for this product. What do you guys think? And then talk it all out and so forth. Like, and then just go forward from there or your team, one of your team members comes in and says, Ari, I've got this idea for a product. What do you think? Let's sit down. Let's meet about it. And yeah. So 
I do have an, a beautiful team that I work with when it comes research development. I work with another chemist. Actually, our sunscreen was made in conjunction with another chemist that I worked with from Germany. Okay. But I do have an assistant. She is my other brain. I always say <laughs> I'll throw an idea out at her. Her name's Molly. She's, you know, she listens to this later. She's, you know, Molly Alcock. She's amazing. <laughs> she kind of keeps me grounded. I, you know, I'll throw out all these ideas. And I, like I said, I'm an Aries. I want to do 5 million things all at yeah. once. And she'll say, okay, well, this one, this one is a good idea. Let's, let's work on this. So we, we work together. My idea is usually the one that, you know, I pitch to my, to my team and then they kind of refine it. And then we work on what is happening right now. And that's the thing in the beauty industry is what's going on right now. It has to be relevant for people to pay attention. Okay. Why have you made it your mission to create clean, green, and sustainable beauty products? Like why is this so personally important to you? Oh, that's a, So really, I could talk about that for hours. (laughs) That is a great question. And that is because the environment is so important. You know, when we're using products, when we're, you know, flushing things down the toilet, even uh, medical products. And that was something that I thought about was people will flush their pills down the toilet and that goes into our drinking water. You know, and a lot of the time there's testing done on our drinking water and there's like, you know, traces of weird things, Mm -hmm. uh, medications that we're ingesting and we don't even think about it. Right. It's just something that happens. And same with beauty products. You know, a lot of the products that we use are going into the ecosystem causing severe damage to the ecosystem. And that was something that I really, it was personal for me. It was something that I was really passionate about because I mean, we only have one earth. Yeah. And if we don't treat it properly, our kids are not going to be able to enjoy the same earth as we did. So that, you know, it was a very personal thing. Now I'm seeing a huge shift in the beauty industry. You know, I started this eight years ago. We started doing, you know, 50% off refills because we wanted people to reuse their jars. Right. That was, I remember when I first came out with that, people were like, oh, that's kind of gross. Like, you know, you guys like wash them in house and like resell. Like, I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it works. But now- you know, the big box brands, because yeah. they know that it's cash cow, they're using that concept. They're not doing it for the right reasons, right? but of at least they're following suit. You know, right. and at least I was able to take that first step, you know, and put that out there so that people realize that that, that makes a huge difference is reusing packaging. It, it's a very personal thing for me. The environment is, you know, I love nature. Yeah. So you know, seeing, you know, the, the earth, you know, unfortunately degrading the way that it is, it's, it's, it's really saddening. And if we can, you know, each person can take just one little step to make a difference. I feel like, you know, that's a huge step. For sure. If we so can, each do our, yeah, exactly. if we each do our part. And I mean, you get, you hear so often people saying with things like this and, and other things where, well, I'm only one person. What am I going to do? I, I can't make that much of a difference. But if everybody shifts their thinking around that and says, mm-hmm. you know what, I am one person. And yes, my contribution will be to a bigger overall, bigger picture. And that's where the mm-hmm. difference comes in is when everyone pulls together and does their own part. Exactly. Exactly. We are one person, but if every single person in this world decided that they were going to be more conscious, yeah. that's going to make a huge difference. It's going to be an impact. It's a trickle effect. So sure. one person, two people, three people, and then your friends start following suit. And, and they told two friends and they told two exactly, friends. <laughs> exactly. And we have social media now. Yes. So everything gets around. So. Yeah, absolutely. Very so important. 
Another great segue, you mentioned that you are seeing a shift, beauty companies becoming more socially, environmentally conscious and and creating more sustainable products. Do you think, in your opinion, does the beauty industry still have quite a ways to go with regards to these initiatives? 100%. Being a cosmetic chemist means that I really interrogate every single ingredient in every single product. So I'll have clients that will message me and say, I'm using Garnier Fructis for mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And it says that there's no parabens and it's vegan friendly and that, you know, they use these buzzwords. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say, okay, let me, you know, take a look at the ingredients. And I look at the ingredients and it's full of it's still full of chemicals that are that are harsh for the environment, but they've used a few ingredients that they can use as buzzwords. And unfortunately, the the giant brands like Johnson and Johnson, St. Ives, I think actually Johnson and Johnson makes St. Ives. So okay. a big, big one is Johnson and Johnson. They create products that are questionable. Right. Because the ingredients that they put into these products are cheaper to purchase and it's easier to mass manufacture them. But they're still toxic. Unfortunately, it's not regulated enough when it comes to what you're using because working behind the scenes in the chemistry field, you know, a a lot of the times the ingredients, you know, they won't be deemed toxic unless they're overused. So you can use certain percentages. Okay. But to me, you know, okay, well, this, there was tests conducted on so-and-so ingredient. It didn't cause cancer for 10 years. Right. But as long as you use it in this percentage, it should be safe. So so this is the big brand's ways of getting around that and saying, hey, look at us. We're doing this. We are part of this initiative because we're using the ingredients that we're that we are told that are what's appearing safe. safe. Exactly. And they have great marketing teams, you know, so a lot of it is marketing and knowing how to catch the attention of the consumer and right. they're really good. They have, you know, they're multi-million dollar corporations. They're not so going to they have the deep it. pockets. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. And they own a lot of the testing companies, you know? Right. So unfortunately it's not regulated enough, but we're starting to see a shift. I find that the biggest shift is in, in the thought process of the consumer. Okay. So people looking at the ingredients and actually reading the ingredients. Now, a lot of my clients are in the medical field and they, they look at the ingredients, they do their own research. And I find Mm. that, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're buying food, I always tell people, always look at the ingredients, always see what you're purchasing. And if those ingredients, if you don't understand half of the ingredients on that label, then you should probably shouldn't be buying it. Or if you, you know? can't pronounce them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So exactly. And it's, it seems like common sense, but it's something that I feel like the average consumer is not taking it seriously. And, you yeah. know, these, a lot of these products are used on our children. So yeah. it, it's unfortunate, but I'm hoping, and I am seeing a bit of a change in the industry, but there are still the big box brands and a lot of the celebrity influencers, you know, Kylie Jenner, her face mask actually had ingredients that were used in cement. Oh my face mask. So I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> It is insane and it's still on the market. So, wow. And, and people sells- will run out and buy that shit because she endorses it. Exactly. And it's scary, but it's unfortunately the new reality of the world. Common sense isn't very common, is it? No, it is not. 100% is not. So what are, what are some of the other ways then that the beauty industry, what are some of the things that they can do to continue to move, to push this movement forward? Like, what you're doing, what else, what else can, can companies do or, 
I mean, I know you said that consumers can be more cognizant and, and aware of what they're purchasing by reading the ingredients, but what are some of the other steps you think that the beauty industry has to take to move this initiative forward to where it's having more of an impact and, and making more of a difference? I feel like the biggest factor would be some sort of regulation you know, the Health Canada needs to be a little bit more hard pressing. The FDA needs to be a little bit more hard pressing when it comes to regulating and making sure that things are actually tested and making sure that ingredients that are toxic are not being used. We should just ban things. And unfortunately, when it comes to law, that's a big factor because a lot of ingredients can't be banned because it would have to be a legal process in order to ban these ingredients. I think Johnson & Johnson recently had a lawsuit with talc Okay. They have to take it out of their baby powder because it's highly toxic. And that, I mean, I mean, you probably grew up with your yep. mom. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, Johnson Johnson <laughs> baby powder. And so it's not just the consumer, but it's also the responsibility of the manufacturers to ensure that these, you know, ingredients that we're using are safe. And there's so many studies that come out about talc that have come out and it, it was never a safe ingredient, but they used it because it was cheap and easy, easy to access. So, and it worked for the texture. A lot of people, you know, are, are just so hard pressed on the texture of the ingredient, right. you know, and they want that white powdery look because yeah. it looks good. Yeah. You know, they don't want the natural, you know, the powder to be a brown color right. or it just has to be aesthetically appealing, you know? Right. So we say we want organic, but then when we see organic, we're like, mm, well, it doesn't look as pretty as the other <laughs> apple that's shelf. So, you know, and that's, and it's a mindset. So we have to change our mindset and we have to make sure, you know, that things are regulated and pushing that towards, you know, the government's Health Canada, FDA. That's the number sure. one step, you know. That, I can't believe that ingredients that are in cement in that, that that's still stuck I in know. my head. I can't, that's insane. <laughs> You'll never forget that. No, no, I won't. <laughs> I guess too, people have, people could take to social media and say, Hey, don't buy this product. These are the ingredients in there. And I mean, making people, making the consumer aware, Yes, like you said, social media is, is a huge thing. So why not use it for good? Exactly. It's a big platform and a lot of companies are debunking these ingredients. So that's, that's a very important step. And I'm seeing it in my clients. I see, you know, them sending me messages just saying like, you know, I was at Sephora and I found this one product and it said that it was clean. You know, they have their own like certification methods. And then I read the ingredients and I realized what you told me and what you said that I should look out for. And there was four of those ingredients in that product. So, you know, and, and it's, you know, one person you educate that educates the next person. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's constant, but using social media has been amazing for me. I do have a big outreach and it helps, you know, and I yeah. want to educate the future and work on that aspect as well. Absolutely. Now I read that you also manufacture some of your own ingredients from your own garden to put into the products. Have you done that from the beginning and why did you decide to do things that way as opposed to sourcing things locally? Yes. So I do do that. Yes. So we do use a lot of organic matter. So things like mint water, rose water, you know, aloe vera. So if I can source it, even in small increments myself, and grow it myself and feel like I'm attached to that. I feel like I have my hands in that product. I always make sure that my clients are getting the top quality of everything. So that's the reason why I did it. And it's sustainable. And I, yeah. I know how it's grown. I know there's no pesticides. I can take my own word for it, you know, yeah. and that that's a big thing. I love control. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> as you mentioned so, previously. <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. I love control. And knowing that I can give my clients that, you know, reassurance that, you know, that restful feeling of knowing that, you know, th- there's ingredients in our products that are grown in my own garden. That's, yeah. you know, that's exciting. That's, you know, people love that. You know, when you go to a bake shop and you see the, you know, the baker or the chef cooking right in front of you, I feel like that in itself makes you more excited to have, you know, to eat that. And I feel like it grounds you. It's It's like transparency, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's it's just the beauty of things. Yeah. So obviously then, I mean, you're sourcing sourcing ingredients locally. Um, You're using natural ingredients. So that is going to, I'm assuming increase the cost in terms of manufacturing whatnot, which then of course the cost gets put down to the consumer. So the products are a little more expensive for these true green organic products. As we see in the grocery stores, organic vegetables are Mm -hmm. more expensive, obviously. So what do you say then to people who say, well, you know, I can't, I can't afford those ingredients. So I'm just going to go with the mass produced ones because they're cheaper? That's a good question. So that comes down to the consumer, right? You're either willing to pay the price for quality or you're not. Yeah. We try to, when it comes to our price points, we really compare to what's on the market, Okay. what's selling at Sephora, what their markups are. And actually, we actually found that our prices were less. Oh, okay. You know, so that's the beauty of being able to manufacture in house. Right. But, you know, when you pay for quality, you're getting quality. When you go to Walmart and you buy Vaseline lotion yeah, and you're getting 98% water and then the rest is just chemicals and your skin is still dry at the end of the day, you're going out and buying another bottle. You're buying another bottle. So you're yeah. actually buying more in order to achieve the same outcome. Yeah. So you're really wasting your money and you're not getting the outcome that you want. And you're wondering why. That is because you're buying products that are not really thought out and they're mass manufactured to the point where they can sell them for cents on the dime and profit margins are huge. Their profit margins are huge and they make so much money off of it. And it's because people are like, okay, well, I can buy a lotion that has 500 milliliters as opposed to 200 milliliters for $5 as opposed to $10. And I'm going to get more bang for my buck, but that's not true. You know, you're getting water. You might as well just throw water on your body with alcohol in it and call it a day because it's not going to make a difference and you're not going to achieve what you want. And your skin still, you know, feels awful. But, you know, like I said, it's, it comes down to the client. It comes down to the, you know, the types of people that are buying our products are not the types of people that are looking for Costco prices or looking for quality. They're yeah. looking they're looking at the conscious decisions and they're looking for real results. You know, at the end of the day, you want the products that you're putting on your skin to actually work, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, so quality. Mentioning that and then going back to the analogy of the grocery store where these grocery stores are saying that the products that they're selling and marking up to a different a higher price point are organic. How do we know that they're organic? And not, I'm not really saying that you would know that, but it's just a yeah. point that how do we know what the grocery stores are telling us is true? How do we know that those carrots are actually organic? And how do you research that? So you that is I mean? actually, yes, that's a big question. That is a tough one because you get mixed messages in that industry. We hope 
and pray that, <laughs> that the process is in Canada. I know that in order to be a farmer that produces organic, mm-hmm. you really have to go through the ringer. Right. They do testing on the soil and I've worked at farmer's markets. So I know this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what haven't I done? <laughs> but you know, the testing that, that goes through, yeah. you know, it's, it sucks for some of the farmers, you know, cause it has to be, I think organic, like your soil has to have not no, no pesticides touching it right. for like two years before it's actually, and they do have people that come out and actually test it. So mm-hmm. I feel like I can speak for Canada when I say that if it says it's organic, it's true. I don't know about the USA. Um, I don't know how they regulate their products. They're very different in in the way that we do things. And I know that it it also has a lot to do with each state. So states like California are very highly regulated where states like hmm, Kansas are not as heavily regulated. So you know, California, even when it comes to cosmetic regulation, they have a higher standard than different states like Kansas, okay. Nebraska so, or wherever. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so it, it depends on the state as well. So okay, it depends. And I always say, try to buy Canadian produce that's organic if you yeah. can, because you know that it's regulated based on Canadian standards. Right. And it's hard to say, right? It's hard yeah. to say. And there's so many toxic chemicals that go into our you know, our food and preservatives and things that don't really need to be there. But unfortunately, the shelf life is a determining factor when it comes to buying the merchandisers. So I hope that we can be a little bit confident in our food you know, yeah. process. And I, you know, I would hope that the manufacturers really take this into consideration. But I feel like if it's Canadian, I have done enough research on Canadian produce and regulations to know that if it's organic certified and it's Canadian, it's gone through, it's gone through the ringer enough that we can say that it's truly organic. All right. So when it comes to produce and other products, educate yourself, people, education is key for sure. Aria, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? That's a great question too. I don't think that I have a superpower. I feel like I, like I said, I don't take myself too seriously. I try to do things one step at a time and not to overload myself. I don't want to burn myself out, right. which is very easy to do when you're an entrepreneur. It's so easy to take on too many projects. I feel like my superpower is being in the moment and understanding that I'm not going to make the biggest impact in one day. I'm going to have to do that over time and I'm going to have to take my time and I'm going to have to reach the right people. It's just knowing that you don't have to accomplish 5 million things all at once and, and you can take your time. I love that. You know, speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Success is in the eye of the beholder. It depends on the type of person that you are. For me, success means being happy in the work that you do every single day, I come to, honestly, I look forward to coming to work every single day. And I look forward to helping people achieve their goals every single day and, and seeing my clients, you know, leave the clinic feeling amazing. To me, success is seeing the happiness that people feel when they leave your facility or they leave you and feeling like you're, you're doing something that's going to change someone's life. To me, success does not mean money. Yeah. It doesn't mean fame. It means being a real person and just spreading awareness and kindness and being a good person. Like you can make the biggest difference in someone's day. If you just smile and say, that's hello. right. Yeah. You know, 100%. And kindness, 
kindness is everything for me. And it's just something that I've always, you know, I always say, you know, if someone's having a bad day, you don't know if they're miserable That's or right. what's going on, you know? Yep. So success is being happy with yourself and being happy with others. I love it. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Don't do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> After she just says she loves coming to work every day. (laughs) Run the other way. No, I would say take it one day at a time. Find what you love and pursue it. If you're going to be in the beauty industry and if you're going to be in the cosmetic industry, do your research, educate yourself, and don't take no for an answer because, you know, you're always going to have people who are telling you like, okay, you're going to sell beauty products. Like, good luck with that. Right. But you have to be confident in yourself and you have to know that if you see it and you believe it, you can achieve it. And that is something that I tell myself every single day. It's, you know, and it's younger, the youth, you know, I'll have clients that are younger and they'll say, oh my gosh, like you've done so much. And I don't really take a step back and realize that and look back at the eight, you know, this past eight years and say, wow, look at where I've come. But when you do, you realize that it was one step at a time and you can't overwhelm yourself and you just have to take it one one day at a time. If you love doing what you do, you're always going to do it. And you're always going to find ways of making it exciting, making it innovative. It's just finding that love. It doesn't matter if it's in the cosmetic field or the beauty field, but finding the love of what you do every single day, because work consumes all of our, almost all of our time. Yeah. Finding your passion and your Your purpose is so important um, because we do spend so much time working and to be, and we've all done it to be in a job where you're miserable and you hate it. That that's not a life. That's not living. Yes. And that is your life. It becomes your life. That's and it's right. Because the repetitive cycle and you're miserable every day and you wonder why. And it's because you're doing something you don't love and putting yourself in a position where you can, I'm not saying that, you know, go out and quit your job and start a cosmetic brand, right. but you know, if you can do like a side hustle, you know, that's a big thing now is doing the side yeah. hustles and just start a small little business and see where it goes. And if that one fails, you start a new one, that's you know, right. failure is not the end of the world. We've so many entrepreneurs fail, yes. you know, before they find what they love. That's right. Failure is, is part of the learning process. Exactly. If you don't fail, you don't learn. That's it. Aria, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? Oh, that's a great question. One of the biggest things I've learned in life that it's not all about you. There's so much that goes into every single day. There's so many people that are struggling. I found that the biggest lesson that I've learned in life would probably be that we are one person of a billion, you know, and and this is a big world and we just have to be grateful and realize what we do have and don't take yourself too seriously. You know, I've gone through so many different you know, struggles in life and overcome so many different things. Um, and I'm still working on that. But if you take yourself too seriously and you overthink things, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You just have to take it one day at a time, take a deep breath and say, you know what? I have control over this situation right now. Yeah. And just take that, you know, each day is a new day and just try to work on that day and make it the best day possible. And don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the next day. Don't overthink things. That's what I would say I've learned the most. Excellent. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Never give up. If you want something, you go out and you get it. A friend of mine told me that a long time ago when it comes to, you know, relationships, business, never take no for an answer. 
you know, someone might say no to you, but you go to the next person, you go to the next person, you might get five no's in a row and that can break your spirit. But yeah, that number six might be the one that says yes. And you have to go for it. Yeah. So I feel like that in itself is just the best advice I could give. And no doesn't necessarily mean a permanent no. It just means no, not right now. Exactly. Exactly. And you have to be confident in yourself and overcome that. No. Yeah, for sure. Just keep going. Absolutely. Entrepreneurship is tough and you're going to hear a lot of no's. You, it's just mm-hmm. part of the game. You got to you gotta just keep pushing forward and, and keep going. Exactly. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Being empowered to me means overcoming obstacles. It means that every single day when you have your face with an obstacle, you are able to get through that obstacle and you're able to empower yourself. It takes experience. It takes life lessons, but one day you are going to feel like you're empowered. And to me, empowerment is moving forward and being able to realize that, you know, not everything's going to be perfect, but the moment that you realize that, that you can achieve so much, that's when you're empowered. Love it. What was a turning point in your life and how did that affect you? Having children was a turning point in my life. I would say because you are no longer thinking about mostly yourself, you actually think about others before yourself. And that is a big shift in mindset is, you know, I wake up in the morning, I don't think about how I'm going to start my day. I think about how my kids are going to be in the day. So that was a big shift for me is becoming a mother and realizing that, you know what? Yes, I have to put myself first, but also there are people that I'm responsible for. These are human beings, you know, and I have to set an example for these people. So that was a big thing. And I try to practice what I preach and, you know, I have a little girl, she's almost three Mm -hmm. and she watches everything that I do. (laughs) So I, and she repeats everything that I say. So (laughs) I really have to be mindful. And that was a, that was a big turning point in my life is being mindful of who I am and present myself in a way that I want my daughter to grow up and be, you know, proud of. And I would say, you know, when it comes to situations, would I want my daughter to do that? Right. And then that kind of really brings you back to reality and you say, no, I would not. And <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, you kind of take yourself, yourself back and, you know, a little bit and make those better decisions because you're thinking about it from an outsider's perspective. Right. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next group of sure. questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Perfect. How would you describe yourself in one word? Passionate. Money or fame? Neither. Early bird or night owl? Early bird for sure. What is your favorite stress reducing activity? Exercise. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Kindness. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Sounds cliche, but war. Okay. What's one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? You know what? My girlfriend just wrote a book. And it's called Boss Up Your Life by Mia Martina. So that would be ah, the yes. one I'm reading right now. And I love. <laughs> there you go. Mia, I just published her episode uh, last week. Yes. And she, yeah. I listened to that. She did an amazing job. Yes. Entrepreneur life is? Oh, new beginnings. Mom life is? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the last book or podcast I listened to or read was? Actually, it was your podcast oh, okay. uh, with with Mia. So ah, excellent. Okay, that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. 
Could you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Yes. So when I was working hands-on in the medical field, I had a client and she, she was a very successful woman and I was actually kind of intimidated by her a little bit. And I thought that our personalities were just going to clash and she opened up to me on a whole nother level. And I was shocked by that. And she gave me so much amazing advice and I feel like that made a difference in my life, getting advice from someone who is so overachieved, so successful and, you know, retired. And I just feel like, you know, learning from our elders sometimes is the most beautiful thing is because they've experienced so much. For sure. You know? Yeah. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Not worrying about what others think. That's Mm -hmm. a skill. Doing what you want to do. Being determined. Yeah. And working hard, you know, being a hard worker, that's a big thing is like, no one's going to tell you to go to work every single day when you're an entrepreneur, you have to tell yourself. So you have to have, what's the word that I'm looking discipline. for? Discipline. Yes. So you have to be disciplined in your own right before you can achieve. You have to give yourself goals and you have to get up every single day and hustle. Yeah. Cause you're right. No one else is going to do it for you. No one's you gonna, your boss isn't going to call you. That, you that's right. And if you don't do the work, <laughs> you're not going to make the money. Exactly. And you have to be your own boss. So when yeah. being your own boss means that you have to tell yourself every single day that you have to achieve something and that not everyone can do that. And that's the difference between being an entrepreneur and being a person who works a nine to five job. Yeah, for sure. If you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Einstein, because he is so, so interesting. I mean, if you look at his story, where he started and where he came, I mean, the guy was pretty much told at a young age that he would never achieve anything. And I think everyone knows who I, you know, yeah. Albert Einstein oh, yeah. is, you know, yeah. especially being in, you know, science, the science yes. world. I would love, love to sit down with him over a drink <laughs> <laughs> and pick his brain, you know, yeah. and just see, you know, what his thought process was. And I know that he wasn't overly elaborate when it came to speech and, you know, you know, talking one-on-one with people. He actually had a contract with his wife for his marriage, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was a genius, you yeah. know, and the, the things I would, you know, I would love to see what happened in that brain and just to hear what happened on a daily basis in his thought process. That's who I would want to sit down with. Okay. What is the most recent investment you've made in yourself? I started doing yoga. So it <laughs> sounds silly, but I'm a type A personality. I don't know if you got that vibe, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, I don't know. <laughs> so being able to slow down and just relax and give myself a moment to just breathe. You know, that yoga was a great investment for me. And yes, I would say yoga, just being able to meditate and just take a moment where I just clear my mind and don't think about what I have to do next. Yeah. As, as entrepreneurs, I think that's incredibly important. Exactly. Exactly. What is your personal motto? Lead every single day with kindness. I know I've said it before, but kindness is the key to achieving success because we are all human at the end of the day. And every single person wants to be loved, wants to be heard and wants to achieve. So if you can give people the respect that you expect, then you will open up so many doors because you'll be able to connect with everyone. So kindness. Mm -hmm. If you could step into my shoes, Aria, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? Honestly, Brad, you had a lot of really great questions. So (laughs) 
<laughs> I, think right. you've, I think you've hit it all. I think awesome. All. Well, thank you. That's good to know. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? Hmm. I would say my mom. I know it sounds silly, but you know, everyone says that probably to you, but my mom, she calls me every single day and makes sure I'm okay. She doesn't care how much money I make. She doesn't care what my social media, you know, likes are, you know, mothers love us no matter what we do for sure. You know, and I would say that's, you know, the one person that keeps me grounded and keeps me going and keeps me motivated. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's an easy one. Don't give a flying F about you can what swear. anyone it's okay. says. Okay. Can I swear? Yeah. Don't give a flying fuck about what anyone says. Do you. And you know what? Those people come and they go and people are going to always tell you no. And you just need to keep going. Don't give a shit about what anyone says. That's what I would go back and tell my younger self is who gives a fuck what they think. Yeah. Excuse my language. <laughs> Blur that, that out. <laughs> that it's hard to drown out that external noise, but I think what's even worse is the internal, the the self doubt mm-hmm. and the self limiting beliefs. But when you add in the external noise of other people, because there's always going to be people that are against what you're doing or think you're crazy or have mm-hmm. something to say, have an opinion, all of that shit. It's it's hard to tune that out as well as and on top of the internal self-limiting beliefs and whatnot. So it's a tough battle for sure. Absolutely. And you know what? A lot of the time it has to do with them. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It has everything to do with the fact that they don't feel that they can do it. So they're projecting their insecurities onto you. And that has nothing to do with you. And learning that takes time. It's not something you learn in your 20s. Sometimes you have to be in your 30s to learn some those life lessons, but you learn them. And that's what sets people aside. And you know what? Time is beauty. Time helps us achieve. So it's it's a very important factor. As they say, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. Exactly. exactly. Lastly, Aria, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? I would tell the world just to, you know, people to be conscious. I would say I've done what I've done on this earth. And then I hope that I leave everyone that I leave behind with so much love, so many amazing memories and to never mourn my death or never mourn me and just be happy for the moments that we had and each moment that we lived in. I would just, you know, that's what I would, I would want to portray is to take care of others, be loving, be kind, and just treat others the way that you want to treat them. I I would, that's something I would leave behind. Beautifully said. Aria, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It's been very educational for me. I've learned a lot. Um, and I just, I appreciate you taking the time to be here and I thank you. And I'm, I'm proud and honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography family and, and community. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brad. Honestly, it was amazing talking to you and I'm so excited to hear this. Yes. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Aria Peruzzi. She is the founder of True Green Organics and a cosmetic chemist. Thank you so much, Aria. Hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. 
You can find me at visuphoria.ca. Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.